When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Heat versus the World podcast. And now, stand up and make some noise for your host, Joel guys welcome back to another episode of the heat versus the world podcast as always i'm your host joel jacob and with me i got nick and alex and we're coming off of a great heat win last night so you know we're feeling good um but overall you know the same old thing has been going on with the heat you know because we gotta also acknowledge the fact that we just came off a loss right before this win against cleveland and it's just been the same old situation for miami where you know you blow a lead and you lose the game, but then you come back next game looking good. So shout outs to the Heat for bouncing back. And overall, one thing I got to say for this team is I know a lot of people are kind of annoyed, especially last night because it was looking like a really close game. It seemed like the Hornets was about to pull a 2013 finals game six on us, the way how we kept that game too close. But we won. All right. So a win is a win. It is what it is. You know, I know people don't like, you know, the way how it looks. So from a moral standpoint, they kind of look at this from a loss. But y'all got to know that the Miami Heat, this team is not going to give y'all a clean win. All right. We can play against a bunch of high schoolers and we're probably going to only beat them by like four points. It is what it is with this squad. It doesn't mean that they're not good. It doesn't mean that the team is just overall trash. It just is what it is. This is what we've been witnessing the last few seasons. And I'm not saying that just because of this, that we should be completely happy with this team or that we should just assume that this team is going to do what we saw this team do last year and just flat out go to the finals again, even though that's what I'm going to predict anyways, because screw y'all's opinions. Um, It is what it is, though. Like, y'all just got to accept this team the way how they are and you know, as long as they can keep up the success, keep up getting wins, I mean, I'm fine with it. So I'm going to pass the mic to you, Nick. Like, how, how have you felt after these last couple games? Um, I haven't felt like taking really too much into it. I mean, with Bam out and Tyler out, if you can pick up a win, it doesn't matter if it's against the, the Hornets or if it's against the Bucks. If you can pick up a win with those guys out, it's huge. Um, I think my, my favorite thing to do with, these games just kind of watch watch Jaime more than anything because I mean there's some games where Jimmy is going off I mean like the Cavs game with Kyle being our leading scorer I think like 17 you're just looking at these games especially when your big guys are out and just looking how your youth develops so that's the way I've been looking at it I mean if we can get a win without Bam and Tyler I'll take it and run with it I won't complain if it's a two-point win against a Lamello-less Hornets couldn't have said it any better myself because 
like you mentioned, whether if it's the Hornets or Bucks, like it's going to be the same outcome regardless. And we're not going to be, you know, hating on these clutch games, you know, when it's playoff time and we're in the exact same scenario against a team like a Milwaukee or a Boston, you know, so better to be prepped up for these situations now. So like down the road, you'll be ready for it. And I mean, shout outs to Jaime too, because Dude is looking like the third best rookie right now. I want to say he's the first, but, you know, people are going to throw Shet and Wemby in there, so I won't. But, you know. He's looking like the best out of the 2023 draft class. You can put Chet above him. He's above Wemby. I don't care. Because <laughs> <laughs> I understand, like, Wemby is an alien, but, bro, like, dude was selected. How, how, what number was this pick again? It was, um. 18. 18. 18 that's insane to think about like 17 other teams just passed on him and i won't talk about that bold-headed loser from the other franchise that much but he had a chance to select him and i mean i'm not going to this the, the player he ended he went and drafted because you know give him some time of course but come on you was the second pick in the draft and you know our guy over here is bowling now i don't care if he was in college for four years bro like he wasn't the one that everyone was calling a generational superstar from the get-go. So that's all I got to say about that. And Alex, how have you been feeling? Say, man, like like you guys are saying, anytime we can take a win, especially with guys out, we'll just take the win however we can get it. Um, beautiful win, ugly win, blowout win, close win. I, I don't care. A win is a win. It goes in that right – it goes in the, the column that we wanted to go in. Exactly, you know, and like I just want to know from you guys specifically, like, what? How do you guys feel about the squad? Like, how impressed have you guys have been with this team? You know, being able to still find a way to perform even with the injuries and stuff. Because I just feel like when you look at this team, they they're already getting bitten by the injury bug a lot. You know, because you look at the Tyler injury, we still don't know when he's coming back. You then have what's going on with them. Hopefully, he can be back soon. But at the same time, like, I don't want him back in that in, in a game until, like, he's fully recovered, you know? Because you need him to be healthy in order for this team to be at its best. But with all of this, like, being said, how have you guys felt with this squad's performance? Because one thing that we talked about in our last Biscayne breakdown is the idea that this could potentially be the deepest team in the Jimmy Butler era. And... I don't know. I feel like it's a fair argument to make. The only team that can maybe hold a candle to it is the bubble heat. And I know some people might throw the 2022 heat team because they were the one seed that year. But overall, like, what do you guys think from this squad? And do you guys believe that this is the deadliest heat team that we've had in the Jimmy Butler era? Who wants to go first? I think if we see everyone fully healthy, I think without a doubt, it's the... Um, the deepest because you have Duncan playing better than Duncan played in 2020. You have Duncan playing better than Max played the last two years. Mm-hmm. And then you add the fact Caleb started all year last year, and now Caleb's not going to be able to start when Haywood's healthy. Mm-hmm. So you have Caleb coming off the bench. And then, I mean, Jaime's ridiculous. I mean, yep. he's, he's, shoot, he's getting a lot inside, but he's shooting jump shots too, and he's still leading the team. I think he's leading the team with like 53% from the field right uh, orlando is starting to flourish and i think that's good that he's getting these minutes now because thomas bryant had a nice hot start and then it quickly you could see why la and the nuggets gave up on him so quickly 
So Orlando's getting these minutes now, and he, I mean, he looks, he looks decent. And I think the only knock you have on our depth is that Kyle Lowry is the only technical point guard rostered. But after Jay Rich took that rust off, he's been fine the whole year. He's been a good backup guard. So yeah, I, it's probably the, uh, I'd say it's we just haven't seen it all together. I mean, once Tyler, Jimmy, and Haywood get back, it, you probably do have the deepest. Or Tyler Bam and Haywood yeah. get back. You probably do have the deepest team in the Jimmy era. You know, and then that's the thing right there, you know. And I, I, I'm going to ask you guys this question later because I want to hear what everyone's opinions about this are. Because um, it's been something we've talked about in, like, the last Biscayne breakdown along with the last Heat vs. the World pod we did before that. So um, I will ask this later on, but um, Alex, I want to know, like, what do you think? Like, do you think this could be the deepest team in the Jimmy era? Uh, yeah, man, I definitely think that the guy, the group that we have now, we have the most wing, wing depth and wing versatility that we've had in the time that Jimmy's been here. Um, that first year Jimmy was here, obviously we had, we ended up making that trade and got, my boy Solomon Hill, Jay Crowder, and Andre Iguodala. But um, and we then the next year, we, we're not even going to talk about Trevor Ariza and his stint. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and then we had the 2022 year where we were the one seed. We had, like, guys playing above their head to help us get to that one seed. Last year, obviously, we had basically a miracle year. But I think this year, with, like, everybody saying, like, like how Jaime has been playing so well and how um, Caleb is rounding in the form. Jay Rich is, is figuring it out. And then, obviously, like with Haywood being out, once he comes back, like we have a whole bunch of different wings that we could throw on the court who obvious, who honestly all can do almost the same things, but there's such a difference in how they play that we could literally have four wings and a big on the court and not miss a beat. And um, like like Nick said, man, right now the only thing that we're lacking is another true point guard, which, I mean, it isn't bad. Right. You know, and that's the thing for the squad. I mean, if you could go out and, like, I don't know, like, what specific names you guys would have in mind. Like, I know when everyone mentions is an Alex Caruso, but, you know, Didn't from really. the – yeah, that's another good option right there. I know some people mentioned TJ McConnell, especially after he went off that one game. That's a heat lifer. <laughs> <laughs> I know Jimmy is cool with him. So, hey, if you can make it happen, go right ahead. Um, like, there are so many guys out there. Like, is there any point guard specifically that would have your y'all's attention if we could get him for a fair price? We can start off with you this time, Alex. Um... I mean, it's like, obviously, I would love that Caruso edition, 6'5", defender, um, who can knock down shots. Uh, man, like, to be totally honest, other than Caruso, I really don't think so because, I mean, I say, like, last year or, or the year before that, I remember everybody – um, on Heat Twitter was talking about looking at John Wall. But <laughs> in my opinion, to be totally honest, I don't think John Wall is an NBA player anymore. So, like, that that would have been the other name in my opinion. But, yeah, I, I think Caruso 
And I honestly, I think we got we got a guy on the on the roster who probably could play some minutes at the point guard spot. But I mean, he's he's in jail right now. You see, <laughs> under my name, so I'm trying to trying to get him freed. He's doing a bid right now because Spo 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 them locked him up. <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm all for Point Jovic. So if the Heat want to make that happen, by all means, do it. I mean, I know they're still concerned because I guess he's still a very raw prospect. But, dog, I would love to see Point Jovic, man. So I'm kind of upset that we won't get to see it just yet, assuming that he'll eventually get some consistent minutes. But, um, Nick, how about you, though? Like, any names that come to mind? Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for guards to target, I mean, the Caruso out of all of them would be the one that made the most sense. But then, depending on the price, um, Dinwiddie or Brogdon, I don't think we'd be able to make a trade with um, the I Trailblazers. But if you can get Brogdon f- for a price, especially because I don't, I, I haven't watched a single um, Trailblazers game yet, so I don't even know if Malcolm Brogdon is playing or playing well. But, I mean, everyone knows that Brogdon isn't there for the long haul. They're yeah. just going to try to bolster his trade value somehow. If you can get him for the right price, Brogdon would not only fit Pat Riley's M.O., but he'd, just, he'd be a guard that can sh- score and play defense, and then he's shown that he can play make. And then same thing with Dinwiddie, but it just all comes down to the price you can get him at. Exactly, and – I mean, for me personally, I mean, I I don't even know how, what's it called, Portland would even interact with us because, I mean, did we even try for um, Drew Holiday? Uh, I think think the leaks were saying we did, and then Pat Riley stiff-armed everyone and said no, but I'm sure sure they did. Yeah, because, like, I don't think you can even trust, like, Pat Riley every now and then because it's like he said he didn't... Tyler at all, and it's yeah. like, you know, so I mean, shoot, because yeah. personally, it's like, all you just gotta do is bolster that depth, man, because it's like, you don't want to trust Kyle too much, and I'm not saying it because it's like, oh, we, we gotta get rid of him, this or that, because I'm on the board, I'm at the point with Kyle where it's like, I don't want to trade him just to trade him, like, I don't know if you guys feel that same way, but Yeah, oh, yeah, you only... You only trade Kyle if it's a contract filler and a move that's. I think the if it's a contract filler that's going to get you something. You don't trade him just because you're not going to resign him because he doesn't have many. He yeah. doesn't have a lot of pick value. Exactly. So unless you're bringing in someone in like way if like, I mean some of the big names like unless he's a contract filler like a Pascal or an Ananobi or a. DeRozan and all these names that we've heard, you you don't trade them. Right. Like, just go for the move that simply moves the needle no. team. You know, like, uh, don't don't trade him for, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, another bad contract, right? Yeah. Yeah, you just got off that. You don't want to put it on unless it's right. I just looked. Brogdon is having a pretty good year being, I believe he's probably Portland's. No, I don't know if he's starting or not, but and now, he's having – He's averaging 17 points, six assists on 41% shooting splits. I don't know. I really wish I could have seen his highlights because the thing is, I, I never try to take some of these players' highlights, um, what's it called, stats too seriously when they're playing for, like, some of these bad teams, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, he's had these stats his whole – I mean, he averaged close to that on a Celtics team and a Bucks team. 
true, yeah. It's like, because I'm just right now, I just cannot trust this um, front, not our front office, but Portland when it comes to, you know, the way how they go about things. So it's like, I don't know, if you could get a guy like Brogdon, that would be good. But, man, Joe Cronin, that man just pisses me off so much that I just know he would try to screw over the Heat if he possibly could. I mean, you already tried it with Dame. You yeah. already tried it with Drew sending him to another he, um, conference finals threat. So All that matters is he got smoked. And at, at, at the first initial day of that trade when it all happened and after the Drew trade fell, I was like, oh, he did get a good haul. And now looking at it, you haven't traded Brogdon. Robert Williams got injured. You're not trading Robert Williams anytime soon. And DeAndre Ayton is horrible. <laughs> Dominating, bro. Dominating. Oh, so yeah. Um, like, I hate him so much. He ruined my life. Nah, I mean, you know, but shout outs to him for seeing the potential in Hymans. And y'all, <laughs> you know, we'll go send him to Milwaukee where. You know, Dame's over here having all these chemistry issues with Giannis. Because I don't know. I was mentioning this on Biscayne Breakdown. I don't know if you saw the clip where, like, him and um, Giannis were, like, looking at each other. And they were like, um, what was it? Um, Yo, um, you know, it's me and you or something like that. And then they mentioned how Dame never really got the ball again. It was during that um, Pacers in-season tournament game. Like, there, it just seems like this team, like, not this team, but, like, there's just so much chemistry issues going on with that squad. Like, no matter how much success they have in the regular season this year, I don't see it working out there. You know, like, I don't see them winning a championship. I don't even see them going to the finals. And everyone that gasses up the idea that we're about to see the Bucks and Celtics battle it out in the conference finals. Um, like I said before, it gives me the same type of vibe that we got from a couple years ago after the Lakers traded for Russ and people were like, oh my gosh, you know, Lakers and Nets in the conference finals. Should we just skip to that? Because we're just going to watch this team go out there and, you know, bo both of these teams with their big threes just dominate their conferences and then meet each other for what's going to be a crazy NBA finals. Yeah. You saw what happened, you know? I mean... I feel like, yeah, besides, like, the Heat and the Warriors, all those super teams that have been trying to be formed in the last decade always fizzle because there's too many egos in one room. Yeah. And, I don't know, dude, haven't – and hasn't the Suns – I don't even think they've all played together in a game yet. Nah, and, like, Bradley Beal was supposed to make his return, I think, tonight. And, um, now KD's not playing. Yep. So, I don't know what's going to happen with that. I mean, they got a whole hospital trio over there. And yeah. I don't trust teams where, like, they everyone specific need is, like, having the ball in their hands. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like. Yeah, that's, it's why, that's why Miami worked out so well. Because, I mean, yeah, Bosch was like that. But he was able to refine his game. And then exactly. Dwayne. And then LeBron, I mean, is obviously, he needs the ball in his hand, but he is going to probably go down as the best playmaker of all time. Right. And then and then you look at the Warriors team and Clay moves off the ball. Draymond doesn't touch need to touch the basketball unless he's at the free throw line passing it or grabbing a steal and then KD and Steph could just dominate. Exactly. Then you pull you pull they're trying to force point Booker and Booker's not a point guard. He'll have a lot of games where he'll pop off and he'll see like 10 to 15 assist nights just because they're forcing it through him, but his usage isn't point. Mm 
KD's usage is on point, and Bradley Beal is nowhere near a playmaker. (laughs) (laughs) No, and uh, you got him talking about he's trying to be a two-way player now earlier. I mean, he was a two. He wasn't when it was when he was John Wall's Robin. He was a good two-way player, and then they just said, "Hey, go have fun." We're the Wizards. We suck, and then he stopped. He was a decent three and D guy back when he was young, but now he's in his thirties. It's not yeah. going to be. I'm sure in his head he's like, "Oh, I did it before. I can do it again." But that was eight seasons ago. Yeah, and I mean, I'll say this, and like, I don't want to reflect too much on stuff that didn't happen, but you know what the Heat were trying to do with Dame. I mean, that would have succeeded a lot more than some of the moves. Oh, that- yeah actually go down because at least we know he would have actually made sense for the heat you know like and that's what the heat try to go for the moves to actually put this team in a good position unless it's like a certain superstar where even if it doesn't fit like you still put him in there because yeah, like if, if pascal does become available exactly. the heat might not go for him. they're gonna kick the tires and look it might not make sense on paper but if someone of that talent comes up you you kick the tires and you, you yeah. see what you can do. Like, and you look at some of their past history too. Like a couple of seasons, off seasons ago, you know, we went after um, DeMar DeRozan, you know, I think we offered him like the mid-level exception. And, you know, obviously he passed on that to go to Chicago, but the bag. had fun. Yep. But like, even then, you know, that was the guy that they were willing to pursue, you know, at the right price. But even then, even if the spacing didn't look right, they were willing to roll the dice on him for that if he was willing to take that type of money. And, you know, even when Giannis, when there was the whole stuff going on back in um, 2020, yep, there was the whole thing about, you know, would he even stay with Milwaukee? You know, people were gassing up the idea that you get that big three of Jimmy, Bam, and Giannis, even though, even if it meant that this team was probably only going to score like 80 points a game come the regular season. So, with all that being said, it doesn't really matter when you look at that type of stuff. But the Heat, like, at least they know with certain stars, they need certain type of, you know, requirements in order for them to work with Jimmy and Bam, you know. So, I mean, I don't know. And speaking of DeMar, just to... I was about, I was about to say that, too. I was about to bring that up. <laughs> like, would you would you go after DeMar? Because I ain't going to lie. I don't know. If he can uh... then... If he can it depends. Off. It depends what you can, what you can get him for, and yeah, what he's willing to do. Because I guess I mean, I mean, this team is like middle of the ground offense and defense. The only reason we're middle of the ground defense is because our defense hip hurts. Yeah, and, and like once his hips better, they're gonna be fine. So I mean, if you, I mean, this team does struggle offensively again. Tyler hasn't played for five weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um. But, I mean, if you can get him for the right price, it'd be cool if you'd want to come off the bench because our bench unit is, I mean, as good as Jaime's been, it's it'd be, it doesn't have a lot of scoring. I mean, if Caleb's on and Jaime, I guess Duncan goes to the bench and Tyler comes back. I don't know. Oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's up, K. <laughs> What's good, bro? <laughs> Oh my God. So, um, Kay, we was just talking about um DeMar DeRozan real quick because we was just talking about, like, some of the moves that the Heat could go for and how sometimes he might go for guys that, 
might not even have the best spacing for the squad, but yet it won't matter if they could potentially move the needle. And we were um, for we just quickly touched on Demar since you know spacing wouldn't be the best with a guy like him. I just want to know, like, would you even consider pursuing a guy like him if he was available and for like a good um price for the Heat? Yeah, only if the price is right, though. I mean, considering everything you guys, um, I'm sure have mentioned. Um, when it comes, what up, Nate? By the way, didn't mean to cut your blurb off. Um, <laughs> when it comes to you know spacing and all of that, because of the inherent inherent issues that um, if you're the Miami Heat, you're going to try to paint for the Bulls. You're going to try to lower that price. So if you can get it for a good price, sure. Because um, here's the thing about Demar. Demar is a flat out scorer, but he's also a vet and he's also not little. So when you're thinking about a guy like Spo and players like Jimmy and Kyle and the rest of the guys that are there, they'll certainly know how to help DeMar not only maximize himself but not mess up the fluidity of this team. Now, if the Bulls are talking anything of merit, anything of supreme value, then you hang up the phone. Because of everything we're talking about, the potential wonkiness of the fit, you don't give up anything of value. But if they're having a fire sale and they ask for a first you know, in a couple of years and a second or, you know, a couple of seconds of some cash cons just, you know, to get them off the books or whatever, whatever, then heck yeah, you do it. Because the Miami Heat and this team can figure out a way to deploy a guy like DeMar DeRozan. But because of, like I said, the wanky spacing issues and deployment and everything like that, you absolutely don't give up anything of value. Um, But if he's just hanging out there, you can make, you know, the best of several decent offers. Like I said, a first somewhere down the road or even a couple of seconds or backloaded, whatever, whatever. Um, no, you go after him because it's still talent. He can still help you win. Exactly. And I just want to know, like, would you like prefer him coming off of the bench or do you think Spoke can make a way where he could succeed in that starting lineup? For me, it's not about who starts. It's about who finishes. Um, DeMar DeRozan will absolutely be one of those seven to eight guys that we count on closing games. And I say seven to eight because you got to imagine Duncan, Jimmy, Bam, Kyle's going to be somewhere in the mix. I'm glad that E-Reed and Crotty pointed it out last night um, in Charlotte with about seven, eight minutes go, how people try to poo on Kyle. But Kyle's value to this team isn't necessarily what he's doing on the box score, but what he allows everybody else to do, like fluidity connectivity, pace, um, it was essential to get him back into that game last night, you know, to help them continue that pace, even if it didn't amount to production. It set them up to produce. But when you think about, again, like I said, Jimmy Bam, um, Kyle Laurie, you got Tyler Hero who's out. You got Duncan Robinson who you're still going to have to play with those final guys because his shot making and spacing is just so crucial. You got a guy like Haywood Hotsmith. You got to include Caleb Martin in that bunch. You can see Hame in that bunch. And then if you get a guy like DeMar DeRozan, depending on what you have to give up for him, he's definitely going to be in that eight, nine guys um, that you're closing the game with. I mean, because even if, to that point, and we talked about it a little bit on our last appearance, not sure if it was a Heat versus the World Bitch Game breakdown. But that's the thing about Tyler Hero. It's like you may not have him starting games for you. If, in my perfect world, he wouldn't be the starter, but he would still play 30 to 35 minutes and absolutely be a part of everything that they're doing on a night in and night out basis to close games. So, I mean, back to that point, it's not about who opens, it's about who finishes. Right. And, you know, for me personally, it's like you, you brought it like 
you you hit it right on the nose, man. Like for this squad specifically, I mean, when you have an offensive mastermind like Spo, a guy that's capable of pulling the strings in the right direction for this team, I, I trust him regardless of what his decision is because I know, like, even if we question certain moves, like come playoff time, he's gonna know exactly what this team needs to do, and it's all gonna make so much sense down the road, and you know. Even if it's a guy like DeMar DeRozan, you know, I expect a team like the Heat to make it work. I mean, this was a squad that, as I mentioned earlier, was interested in him at one point. You know, like, if he was willing to take that MLE, he would be in Miami, not in Chicago. And, you know, who knows how Spo could have made it work, you know. Obviously, they trusted him that much if they were even willing to at least roll the dice and see if he would be interested in coming for that much money. So, with that all being said, um, I just want to know real quick, Kate, because we were talking about it earlier in the show. Is there any point guards that come to mind that you feel like the Heat could go for just to simply improve their depth? Because, like, as um, Nick mentioned, um, we're kind of relying a lot on Kyle being that one main point guard that we have. And then, like, everyone else after that, they're not really, you know, your traditional type of PG. So is there anyone out there that you try to get just to somewhat improve what we have right now in that rotation? Uh, you're on mute right now. My bad. You know, I was ready to go in. Um, <laughs> obviously, what I was doing prior to logging in is still latched on. But um, basically, when you think about what the Miami Heat do, and I know people want to poo-poo with that. We don't need a point guard. Everybody... It's like thinking about it, because I, I was actually thinking about this today and a lot last night. What makes Kyle Laurie good for this team isn't only the fact that without producing points, he still does that thing, those things like the scrappy defense, like the sacrifice in his body, like the getting guys in order. He's one of the rare guys that could say anything he feels like saying to Jimmy, say anything he feels like saying to Bam, say anything he feels like saying to anybody on the floor, refs and Spo included. And we may not always like it, but sometimes that's exactly what those people need, um, is the fact that Kyle Lowry can not only be the guy that initiates and finds people, but he's totally comfortable with, okay, you bring it up the court. And then he runs and he takes his alignment deep in the corner or he takes his alignment on the wing. And then he proceeds to run whatever spot of the offense that he is. That speaks to something about him and something to the point we talk about with the Miami Heat, where everybody initiates. I don't know if there's another guy out there that's available that not only will come in and play that role, but is capable. And I say that if you go get a guy that's a borderline starter, well, one, what are you giving up on? Two, what is his role on this team? Second, I mean, thirdly, that's three things, right? Thirdly, I think about a guy like RJ Hampton, who just suited up last night for the first time in Lord knows when. Now, he isn't going to come in and be Kyle, but if he can come in and help take some of that pressure off of him as far as being another outlet to help move the ball or to, you know, just be the out top guy defensively, um, I'm not so sure if they need to add point guard depth. Because when you look at Caleb Martin, when you look at Josh Richardson, when you look at Hame, Bam's not back. When you look at what Duncan is doing off the pity pad, thinking about Tyler Hero, thinking about Jimmy when he's in his mode, what the hell is a point guard on the floor for? For what? Why? What are we doing? 
Caleb is creating and initiating. Caleb initiated the offense for the majority of the back end of the second half, opening the third quarter until you got Kyle back in there yesterday. Caleb can create for himself off the dribble. I mean, Jay Rich isn't a point guard, but he's a good trigger man for us. He finds guys every now and again that he can create for himself. He's definitely got capable of putting a little pressure out front. Yeah, you need some more POA defense, and you don't always love what he does, but he gives you an element of tenacity and scrappiness out there on the front. That's what you need, and he's still 6'6 with length. Um, like I said, Duncan, his pity pack game is grown tremendously and i don't think that that's something that just happened this year you know i preached it last year i think he's just getting that opportunity um tyler hero isn't in but that's always our whole thing about him he needs rock rain to be his best self well rock rain is literally him with the rock what's the point guard doing while tyler hero's being tyler hero um i mean jimmy butler same thing kyle laurie is a point guard bam out is arrived i mean he can do those point guard things but i would much rather him be beefing your big man in the paint pause or shooting that midi, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> Nick, you good over there? I mean, it's just like, what, what, what's the, what's the use? So that, that's what my thinking is with it. Cause I, I really was thinking about it. So again, if there's a guy available, um, if they have a roster spot on the back end of the season and Goran Dragic got his six pack tight, bring him in. But to break your back, you know what I mean? Or to deal a piece, um, to go get a point guard, I don't think it's necessary right now. And another thing I'm going to say while I'm on the topic, there was a lot of talk surrounding Caleb Martin um, and what can Caleb get you? And, you know, his contract is over at the end of the year. I dare to say these last two games and what he's done, again, a point production standpoint in that first half um, against Cleveland and then just all of the auxiliary things he's done in that second half and in this game against Charlotte, their most recent contest on Monday night. Can we quiet that talk a little bit, people? Can we quiet that talk? My theory is when you look at guys that they paid, they're guys that were homegrown, which Caleb sort of is at this point. They were guys that did things that were core and fundamental to what the Miami Heat are. Jay Rich, that scrappiness, that versatility, that multipleness, that size, that ability to man multiple positions on both sides of the ball that I'm talking about, a spoke guy. When you look at Duncan, it's not only the fact that he's knocked down, but it's the fact that whenever he moves, the whole defense moves, which allows everybody else's job to be easy. Like those things are fundamental. And Caleb does everything on offense. There's nothing he can't do. He might not be a 10 anywhere, but he's an eight in some places and a seven in others. And you can't teach that, but he also rebounds well for his size and position. He's a good defender, a team defender anyway. And I like him better as an off ball guy, even though he does have some on ball stuff, but what really is a great on ball defender in this NBA, which is another whole pod. So we could debate eat Twitter about that, you know, to the cows come home, but no, they're going to pay Caleb. So don't even think about moving him. And that's kind of what I'm hitting on when I say whether it's DeMar or a point guard, you don't think about moving anything of value to get one of those guys. Right. You know, I'm just glad George's not here. Otherwise, you would have had a whole, you know, conversation. He would have ruined such good content. Let's not even talk about him. <laughs> what did I miss on, on the breakdown? <laughs> oh, my God. George, you missed George. That's uh, it. That was the longest episodes we ever done. You I missed think. Greek Hame Hakez. <laughs> oh, no. Greek Jaime Hawkins. Who is Greek Jaime Hawkins? George, he had like a little, you know what I'm saying? He had a whole, he, he had a whole, <laughs> I, he had a whole Josh Giddy. I mean, you know, really shady <laughs> face thing going on. Like he was, you know what I'm saying? 
Anyway, whatever. Move um, on, Joe. Move on. Move on, Joe. <laughs> but um, yeah. Shout outs to George. But um, yeah. I mean, for me personally, I mean, you know what you just said, Kay. Like, you're not gonna give up a boatload of assets for whoever, whether it's a guy like Demar and you know, also good point you mentioned, Kay. Like. You know, while the point guard on rotation, could you argue it could use improvement? Sure. But at the same time, it's not like, you know, it's something that's holding the squad back completely. Because at the end of the day, this is a team that, you know, we were another thing because, you know, like every now and then we get a couple new folks in for this convo. So we had to ask this question again. Um, You know, we it was me, Nick and um, Alex before you came in, Kay, and we were debating still on whether or not this is the deepest team in the Jimmy Butler era. And so far, we still got so far a unanimous answer where everyone agrees that this might just be that team, you know. So with that all being said, even let me with- I'm sorry not to cut you off, but that's the point I forgot to make with the DeMar point. Like I said, who's the closer? Eight, nine, even ten. Because to that point, as we all have said. This is the deepest team in Jimmy Butler's era. So on any given night, you know, there's cliche. And then there's even, especially with the Miami Heat, um, who we find guys that were sweeping the floors two nights earlier to play big minutes. But it's like, really, on any given night, it could be one of 10 different guys in, in a position. Oh, yeah. and, that's, and that's nuts. Um, but that's amazing because, like, it's so hard to game plan for that as the opposition. And Spo is maniacal enough to play nine or ten dudes in the playoffs like it's nothing. Like, nobody will do that, but Spo is nuts enough to do that. And I think that could absolutely be a weapon. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, because, like, it's going to be tough for so much teams because Joe Mazzula is still kind of new to his position, and he's not really that good of a coach. He's kind of like a I'm sorry, who? I'm sorry, who? (laughs) Joe Mazzula, man. I'm sorry, we were just talking about Coach Spolster, and you bring up Joe Mazzula? Yeah, like <laughs> competition, man. Like, I'm sorry, who? I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Chester. Is this thing on? <laughs> like, come on, like Joe Mazzula. I mean, what, what can y'all imagine what Spoke gonna do to him again? He's just lucky that you know our squad just low key little. I guess you could say kind of ran out of gas, you know, after game three. But then you know they went and you know got pit stopped. You know, filled the tank up. I, I, I'll die on this hill. Almost blowing the 3 0 lead was worth blowing them out in game seven in the TD Garden. Oh that my was God. awesome. <laughs> that was so poetic because that was on the one year anniversary of losing game seven the year before that. So, two of Yeah, and then the whole Jimmy thing like going now, next year will be your same, same, right. like whatever he said, same place, same time, but we're going to win. Poetic. Um. Now, listen. You got to really monitor how this is said because Denver kicked our ass, for lack of better terms. Bleep me out, Joe. We knew nobody wanted to see Denver play basketball. So we said we'll give you seven of this Boston thing, and then we'll see what we got versus Denver, which, you know, I guess we always did ourselves. We didn't have a whole lot. But, I mean, that's, you know, that's what that is, man. Right. It was. It's just the whole theatrics of it all, and I think Nick, you said it perfectly, man. Theatrics, the the Shakespearean nature of just the way it happened. Jimmy saying, "Right back here, same spot, and we're gonna get it done." Um, you know, like you said, man, you couldn't have said it no better. I think that blowing the three games was well worth doing what was done to them um, in their own building in Game Seven. Yeah.
Yeah, Although that game curious. six, that game six was painful. I just oh, got home. I just got home from a um from a concert from a music festival, and I was with about four or five different people. And I'm watching the game at the festival while music is playing. I'm sitting there like looking down, and right as we get home is when the shot missed. I ran outside, and I was just screaming outside. I came back in, and I picked the phone back up, and I go, "Oh my god, they lost." I, go, I didn't see the Derek White put back because I bolted outside. Because I, I was like, oh, he missed. And then I came back in. I was like, oh. Yo, I did not even want to do much after that. Like, I, I sat on the, I sat on my shower floor, slightly intoxicated, just like in a, in a music video. Just like that. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> darkness, my old friend. It'd be like that, man. It'd be oh. like that. If you had had like some real swoopy... You know what I'm saying? 2000s alt rock action going on. I mean, that's a movie. <laughs> Yo. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, I got to hear this, though. What did y'all say on the point guard thing? I mean, I said, yeah. I, I said, if you could get Dinwiddie or Brogdon for the right price, I'd be open to it. Because my only thing is, yeah, we have this point guard by committee and it's working. The problem is, and Kyle's playing honestly great. He's going to be 38 before the season's over. I just would like to have some depth, just in case. What's the what? What's the right price? Um, if you can give up, I mean, for it, I know I'd have to look at their contracts too because I didn't even really look into it. Oh no, you're taking I mean, oh you're taking on money with either of them. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna to have to dish some. Uh, I don't even know who do we. We don't really have tradable contracts that and that Kyle and that's my because like thing. going into this year we're like yeah we can make we can make trades because we have Duncan and Kyle's tradable contracts and now I'm like I will never say a bad word about Duncan Robinson again he is my baby and I will protect him and then you, you know what I'm gonna say this and nobody has said it he's probably outplaying his contract right now but go ahead oh yeah he he's he's like and since Ty, since Tyler's been gone. I mean, you could make the argument for most improved player of the year. He won't get it. Yeah. Right. But it's such a weird thing because we look at last year and, you know, looking at last year as a whole. Okay. So that's a year on his contract where he's really closer to like an $8 million guy. Right. And then you look at him this year. It's like, okay. So we seven to the good. That's what we paid you for. (laughs) Right. But then we look at him this year and it's like, okay, now you're a $27 million guy. So you 12 to the good. Hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, he's driving, he's creating, he's shooting. Right. He's doing so much more. He he's, and like we all knew he. It just I feel like it was the way they, just the way Spo used him because we all know he could do this. Have you ever watched his Sioux Falls freaking highlights? Right, the guy looks like right. a demigod point guard. And it and it also had to be some confidence things with him. Oh yeah, not with even, Max. Because Max outshined him. Right, but not even last year. I'm talking about even with the expansion. It's like I'm sure he had to find it within himself. Where he said, "Okay, I'm a crossover in McGowan face. I ain't worried about him taking it because I mean he hit McGowan last night with a couple crosses. Where I mean, if you look at McGowan, he was looking at him like, what the hell? Like he didn't know what to do because it's like if you reach on dunk, he'll go past you now. But if you don't get no pressure on him, he's gonna you know he'll jam one in your face. <laughs> yeah. So you know he he was he, he had McGowan in hell last night. Yeah, but, I think at at points last year I was." Like so ready just to move on from Duncan because of his contract, and now if I ever see Duncan Robinson in another jersey again, I might combust. So yeah. there we go, the highs and the lows. 
<laughs> and like I, you gotta give him his props because you know, like what people say is, you know, you either adapt or perish. And you know, oh, he's worked. Yeah, he's worked for it hard. You yeah. can tell. Because when it seemed like everyone finally had his number, and you know, they 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 had him like figured out or whatever when it comes to him and his shooting. You know, he was able to evolve where he's more than just a specialist. And it goes to a point where what you mentioned, Kay, where you know he's now outplaying his contract because you only gave him that money simply because all you thought he could do was just shoot the three and nothing more and provide you that spacing with it. But now he's doing so much more where you can't even call him just a three-point specialist because, yeah. It's that he's part becoming of, a three-level scorer. Yeah, like, is that part of what he does? Sure, but there's more to it now. You know, like, you got to prepare more than just simply, you know, stand there and just, you know, guard him while he gets ready to shoot that three, you know? You got to be ready for whatever more it is he does, you know, whether if it is, you know, that playmaking and that chemistry that he has with a guy like Ben or that other stuff, you know. And his off-ball movement for me, like, if you ever just, like, sit there and watch a Heat game, because I've been doing it a lot with Jaime recently, where, like, if you're looking just, like, from, like, looking back at, like, highlights and stuff, and if you just, like, fixate on one player and their footwork and their movement, I think I would be able to guard Duncan for maybe five seconds before my lungs shriveled up because I just went from the corner to the other corner to the other corner to the top of the key all before five seconds came off the shot. He just like zit. He's got to be a worse nightmare for someone to guard because he doesn't even have the ball and he's gassing you like he's a high usage player. Well, there was a, uh, I can't remember. It was a cut to somebody. Okay, Duncan started in the deep left corner. I think let's just say if these are the baskets, right? He I think I know a video. I think it was KCP guarding him. Yo, deep left corner. He passed it. He ran around the guy, ran around the guy to run back to the corner, got the ball back, passed it again, ran behind the guy, faked like he was gonna post up at the three, cut to the basket and got a layup. And all that happened in like four seconds. He's (laughs) I mean, he he's worked for. Him. I mean, you can. T- I mean, the, and then the fact that he came from D three college, no offers, to nope. walking on at Michigan, to going undrafted, to grinding in the G League. Because I felt like he was in our G League for a couple of years. I mean, his debut season, he was already like twenty six years old at that point. Because yeah. he had four years of college, and then he had he was undrafted rookie two years before the big breakout year when jimmy came so i mean the kid the kids grinded and you know he got rewarded with that 90 mil contract and now he's playing like he's about to get another one exactly and you know just shout out to donkey man is there anything else y'all want to say before we close out this topic or all right so we'll just go from there, man. But yeah, shout out to Duncan, bro, because he's holding the house down, and hopefully, even after you know Tyler comes back, um, you know he can still be that starting shooting guard for us. We love you, Tyler, but you know, I th- I think they w- it's either they're gonna they're gonna put Tyler in the starting role just because of let let the egos roll, and you don't want to damage anything, or they're gonna work them slowly. I, I mean, I think the logistical. Like the logic, not the logistical. The logical thing to do is for like Tyler's first week or two back, you put him on a twenty-five to thirty-minute minute restriction six-man role. Let him get his feet wet. He hasn't played basketball in five weeks, and the team went on a ten. How many games did we win? Like 10, 11 games, yeah. something like that. Without yeah. like, 
eight. So close. Um, you just you gotta you gotta get him back. I don't think there's a realm where Tyler isn't starting by the end of the season all healthy. But I think I think you may you have him come off the bench and let him get his toes wet. And I mean, if it is think- that crazy, then there's a way Tyler say. I just don't see a way they keep Tyler on the bench. With, especially with how he was playing and leading up to the injury. That round you keep Tyler on the bench is if you become a better team once he comes back with them playing off the bench, which they absolutely will. Because their problem now mm-hmm. is when Jimmy Butler isn't on the floor or Bam Adebayo isn't hitting his midi, which doesn't happen from game to game anymore, but there are points in the game where he you know, needs, to, yeah. right, needs to get it back going. Um, I think that those are the moments where you'll see a Tyler Hero just – demolish second unit players and once the Miami Heat are blowing people out consistently which I think they will once Tyler comes back I swear um because because of the immense production off the bench um and you have to think of what they have on that bench already or what they will have on that bench when you're thinking about Hame when you're thinking about the fact that Caleb's probably gonna be coming off of the bench as well because I think Haywood and what he does defensively is something that you value in that starting lineup and the fact that Caleb needs the ball. Like Caleb isn't a a go a spot sh- like kind of. Sh- Caleb yeah, he's not a Caleb, he's not is, off ball Caleb guy. is Jimmy. And, he's not an off ball guy. He's and Hay- guy. and Haywood is Haywood will get his, but like he is perfectly content just going from the corner to defense, the corner to defense, yep. and that's what he he Hay- Caleb's better. But Haywood is a little better defender, and then just his shot selection fits a lot better with Jimmy and Bam. Right. Caleb isn't really a three and D guy. Caleb is a guy who can be three and D. Caleb's Jimmy. Caleb, yeah, Caleb. <laughs> Caleb is a guy who can go get his own. Haywood's a three and D guy. Yeah. Yeah. But like you know, overall, man, like I'm just because I want to dive into this topic again because I feel like we just talk about talk about this for like 20 or 30 minutes per episode but like yeah i mean eventually if if the time is right somewhere down the road i could imagine where spo notices the difference between how this team performs when you got a guy like duncan in the lineup and a guy and when you have someone like tyler in the lineup and it's never going to be a knock on tyler it's just simply the fact that duncan can just supplement what this team needs more of when he's in the starting lineup while, you know, a guy like Tyler can just simply fulfill the needs that are met on the bench. And it's not like he's going to have to be on the bench for the remainder of his career, you know? Like, nobody is asking him to be, you know, Lou Williams and just stay there. We just need to win this championship for Jimmy. And then after Jimmy gets his ring and after a few years from now, he announces his retirement to go open. Tyler can put up 30 a game, Yep, yeah, go and he goes to open a coffee shop in Miami or wherever. You know, there, you know, you can go do your thing, be back in the starting lineup and do whatever, and we won't care, man. But right now, like, just do what the team needs you to do, and let's go win this championship, bro. Like, nobody is going to slander you for it or anything. You know what I'm saying? And you already got your bag, too. So it's not like, you know him coming off the bench is going to affect his paper. Like, nah, all that money that they gave you in that contract last year, you're getting that regardless of what happens, you know? So, let's see. Anything else y'all want to hit on before we get into this final topic? All right. 
So with that being said, to close it out, let's talk about Heat versus Hornets part two. Um, the Hornets are coming to Miami after playing this last game in Charlotte. And I mean, I don't think the expectations are really that high for this team. Just go out there and get the win. Um, is Lamelo playing this game or? I, I don't think Lamelo is going to be playing for a minute. Oh, okay. yeah, Lamelo. I think Lamelo out for a while. Oh, okay. So, you know, with that all being said, I mean, this is the key we're talking about. So, I'm like, um, earlier in the show, like, this is a team that will, you know, beat anyone by four or five points, regardless of the talent that's on the floor. So, I mean, shoot, the, as long as the Heat get the win, I do not care, man. And I know people will be upset. I know people was pissed last night talking about, did we really win? You know, like, we're out here struggling to beat the Hornets, this and that. Who cares, bro? A win is a win. Y'all know this team. Y'all just the Hornets have beaten the Celtics. Um, yeah. I just, I just want to uh, jump in real quick. Um, Tyler moved from out to game time decision for um, tomorrow's game. Interesting. So he's questionable, not out anymore. And Lamelo is weak. And and Lamelo is weak to weak. Huh. He thought that he was going to miss a large chunk of time initially, but the reports as of four days ago has him week to week, and it isn't as long as they thought. Um, so I don't expect him to play tomorrow. But with it being week to week, and um, Trevor Lawrence getting out there four days after high ankle sprain, um, who knows in today's sports. All right. Lamella's <laughs> uh, actually not on their injury report at all. So he might be playing. Nick Smith and Mark Williams are the only ones on their injury report. Okay. I mean, well, we should get the win. Regardless. It don't matter. I it's mean, the Hornets, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah, we have, I mean, we have but Hall you, of Fame but Orlando Robinson. Y'all know how that go, though. Like I've, I've told y'all, um, for me, when you think about teams like the Magic, the Hornets and the Wizards, man, um, when it comes to the Miami Heat and because they see each other so much, probably proximity, they play each other so tight and tough. Now, there are times where, you know, the Miami Heat do handle their business for the most part and control the game. Um, but even in those situations, Monday night being an example, those teams always find a way to be a thorn in the Miami Heat side. I, I expect us to beat them. I actually expect us to blow them out um, in Miami, especially – coming off of the struggle bus that was, you know, Monday night. Because if you look at the Miami Heat's um, experiences like that this season, you look at Chicago, who they got out on and allowed to come back and beat them. And then, you know, when they came back and played Chicago, they blew the doors off of them. And I think it happened one more time, but I can't remember exactly who it was with. But I said all that to say um, the Miami Heat, our team that has tended to take their medicine and recover well from it this season. So I feel like, that scare last night, having to actually navigate a close win when you were out by double digits last night, is that medicine that they needed to come and handle business? Right. Uh, Ira, Ira just tweeted out that Bam, Tyler, and Haywood all out Wednesday versus Hornets. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, because Spo had said earlier today that Bam doesn't have a timetable to return. Yeah, Bam's probably. I mean, I don't know the extent and all of what his hip injury actually is. But I mean, better safe than sorry. It ain't worth hurting Bam. Orlando can be serviceable and just try to pick up wins where you can pick up wins. Let Bam figure that out before you rush him back. Mm-hmm. And that's twofold. If you think about it, they've seen what Orlando has done in the last several games, and they're like, okay, cool. But it's also like one of those things where Bam wanted to play or he had to play. I'm sure he could play, 
they're, they're giving Bam time for it to fully heal because as we remember, um, Bam's probably been dealing with this for like the last two, three weeks. He's been he dealing with this since game three or four. Well, season. right. I know he's been dealing with it for but a like while, it, but aggressively. He had been playing. He had been playing through it, and then there were some games where he would try to go and couldn't. Some games where he would go and it would. So it's one of those things where they're probably just trying to let it fully heal. Let's get back to closest one hundred percent as it will before they put him back on the court because they have a guy like Orlando. And heck, um, you know these guys are still pros. They're still men. They're still humans with real emotions um, and real. What's the word? Uh, I don't want to use vindictiveness, but um, real motivation. So. Seeing Orlando do this um, and him not getting no tick might even inspire Thomas Bryant to use his noggin when he get on the floor next time. That's so, yeah, I mean, for me personally, I expect a win. Let's blow him out. And what about you guys? We expecting a blowout close game. What is it? Um, As long as they win, I don't – as long as they win, I don't care. And as long as Jaime cooks, I don't care. That's all I'm looking for in this game. I'm going to – Watch Duncan jack up threes, and I'm gonna watch Jaime come in and just look like Jimmy Butler. That's and as long as they win, that'll be a cherry on top. Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing I'll say is that I think we are due for a blowout game soon. I mean, you know, you know, no pressure, Miami, but we could just blow them out. Duncan for- thirty point game inbound. I'm I'm down for it. Shoot, like <laughs> by all means, and I think right now, like the the city of Miami is kind of like mourning right now because I know Dolphins lost yesterday, so everyone oh, go- historic loss of that. <laughs> Listen, man, I know y'all not um Dolphins fans, but it's still <laughs> it's still like really tough right now. So let's be a little emotional for those watching, especially me. Um, I gotta be. I'm sorry, brother. I gotta be one of the happiest people on the pod right now because. I'm looking at my next two weeks. I mean, I know this ain't that, but I'm looking at my next two weeks as a Cowboys fan. I'm like, I got the Bills. All right. It's winnable. It's losable. But then I got the Dolphins. Like, that's a track meet. And then I'm watching Monday Night Football go down. And I'm like, you know what? I feel like I'm okay. I'm all right. I mean, and and if Tyreek ain't on the field, that offense is ordinary. But this is a heat thing. Continue, my brother. All right. You know what? I'm, I'm going to reach out to my Dolphins pod folks. We might have to get you on for that Dolphins-Cowboys preview if you freeze. So, let's see. Oh, man. Little heat versus the world, Dolphins versus the world, you know, crossover. So, you might have to make that happen. <laughs> Joel, what was – not the not to bring up the pain. What was going I – didn't, I didn't watch the game last night. What was what was going through your mind that last three minutes as the – I didn't listen. Man, I didn't even think we was actually gonna fall because they gave us like two touchdowns. I'm like, all right, this game is over. I'm like saying, like, I'm having fun finally. Like, we're nearing the end of this, and then they score a touchdown and get the two point conversion. So I'm like, okay, wait, we gotta get a, we gotta get one more stop, and then we're done. So yeah. you know, I'm not Harar, Harar. I think that's how you pronounce it. Harar, Harar, the punt returner for the Titans. He has to be the happiest dude. Oh my on the God. planet. Because like you said, Joe, when they tricked that off, bonus content from Eat versus the World. We're talking <laughs> the Dolphins loss. Um, <laughs> listen, when he tricked that off, um, and the Dolphins punch it in. I mean, you're like, this game is over. I'm I'm cleaning my kitchen, I'm putting food away, I'm listening. Because I'm like, oh, this over. I'm gonna hear Scott Van Pelt in two minutes after they run the clock out. I'm like, all right. Well, they got two and a half minutes. Most of them get it on the first three and out. They give a chain a chance to come in and get these 13 yards I need for this parlay to hit. But the Dolphins going to win this game. It's okay. It's okay. Listen, 
when he went down and got that first one mm. and left two minutes and some change on it, I said, wait a minute. I said, this is the game. And then for the game to end and Tua not to even get a pass off, that hurts, bro. That hurts. I mean, you up 14 with yeah. less than six left. If, I'm not even gonna go five because six because 12 is a quarter, right? 12 is a, is, is it 15 yeah. in it? Is it 12? 15. 15. 15. Okay, you got less than a half of a half, and you up two scores in football. That don't uh, happen. That don't happen. Joel, if it makes you feel any better, um, you know, I live in Ohio. I'm a Browns fan. And last year I was at the Jets-Browns game with a minute 38. We were up 13 points, and they lost that game. So if it makes you feel any better, I know your pain. We were up um, by 13 with a minute 38 left. The Jets had zero timeouts, and we lost. Because it's like Joe Flacco went crazy. But, hey, he's my boy now. It was a prime time game, bro. Like everybody, we're gonna yeah. take a break and come back at y'all thirty seconds with an NFL show. No, I'm joking. Um, it's remnant. <laughs> Do y'all remember last year? And I saw Jeff Saturday talking about this recently. Um, I think he was on McAfee last week, and he was like, "Y'all remember when the Colts was up big? I want to say was it on the Vikings? Last it was year? Vikings. It was yeah, yeah they were up like, by like thirty something. It's, it's those feelings, man, and that's the feeling." that you had last night as a Dolphins fan. you It had to feel like that. Because it's like you snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Like, you had it. But you just want to snatch the L out of there. And that's that's the worst kind, man. Welcome to my life as a Cowboys fan. Welcome uh-huh. to my life. Anyways, y'all, y'all got anything more to say about the Heat before we close it out? <laughs> Oh, this isn't the Cleveland Browns and um, Dallas, Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> uh, high made for rookie of the year. Lemon uh, Yada's a fraud. Go heat. I apologize, Joe. Um, you know, um, I mean, yeah, we're going to blow Charlotte out by 20. Um, <laughs> this last 15 minutes has been a fever. Yeah, we're going to blow. We're going to um. We're going to handle that business in Charlotte. Um, you know, I mean, against Charlotte, see, I'm all I'm all discombobulated. I'm like two on the last play of the game. Okay. Um, you know what? <laughs> um, I mean. <laughs> this is, yo, and I'm just saying right now, the Heat, if y'all are up 14 with less than three minutes left and y'all try something, I, <laughs> I'm going to lose it, man. Like, Going like, bro. Oh man, who? I'm sorry. Okay, last thing before we close. Who the Dolphins got next week? Oh, uh, let's see. It's um the Jets. Do you know how? Okay. It is? Get right game. Get right game. I don't know. Cause it's a division game, man. Like you never True. know. I mean, I was trying to be encouraging because you know <laughs> the boy did just throw for 300 yards. <laughs> oh my gosh, man! But um, Nick, you got anything to say about the Heat? <laughs> Nah, man, he go, he should win solidly, seriously, against Charlotte um, on Wednesday, right? That's, it's tomorrow, right? Wednesday. Yeah, it's tomorrow. Um, I, I won't. Okay, I, even if I don't say twenty, they should win convincingly by at least 10, 10 or more points. All right. And yeah. you agree, Nick? 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I coach basketball, so I won't be watching that game. So when I get in my car after basketball practice in the fourth quarter, they're normally like about five minutes left in the game. I'm going to be, be about I'll be a little riled up if I don't have like at least an eight-point lead on my screen. They're going to be about 14 with five minutes left. And then they're going to win by two. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, but they're gonna win. But they're gonna win. Okay. All right. <laughs> he needs to turn the cameras off. Okay. That's true, man. Anyways, y'all, is anything heat related y'all want to say? Any final words before we wrap up? Hi, for rookie of the year. Right. So with that. Well, no. Okay. To your point, Nick. Before you go, we I think we did call it out early though. Um, Jaime wasn't getting any love as of just three weeks ago. If you looked at the rookie ladder, and I brought it up on the show. He's getting love now. Right. If you looked at it just three weeks ago, um, I mean, they had guys that aren't even getting ticked on the rookie ladder, and Jaime wasn't up there. But, you know, how quickly their opinions change when they actually watch Miami Heat ball. Yeah. You know, and, like, now all of a sudden you got him at, like, rank third, I guess, on the rookie ladder or whatever. Yeah. He's right, they doing the they doing the start cut or big. Yeah, they set my boy up for failure. I was like, that's, everyone's gonna obviously go cut Jaime when you see Wemby and Chet. Exactly. Put some guards and some you know some, some other people. Don't put the seven foot demigods on there with them. Yeah, but no, you should. Where, where's the guy that the I was about to say? You know who you do? You do, mean, do Scoot, Cam Whitmore, and Jaime? Yeah, and then I'm cutting Cam Whitmore and Scoot. Yeah. <laughs> well, you at least you at least bench Cam. He he. At least yeah, I'll bench Cam. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, I'm we, sending we, Scoot back to the Ignite. We yeah. Scoot and Scoot. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the Ignite might have screwed him over. That's what some people are trying to say is because, like, you know, like playing in G League is so much different than like a college atmosphere. So. I think it just depends because I mean, Jalen Green though? hasn't been. I mean, Jalen Green's been fine. He was the Ignite. He was the first Ignite guy. And I was also about to say it's a tough case to make because when you look at the Thompsons, um, they were in the overtime. League. Overtime elite, yeah. They weren't like, ignite. They were the overtime league. I mean, I was just thinking of I was just thinking of those ancillary leads because the point was, you know, semi pro versus college. That's yeah. all. I did. Thompson. I mean, the um, but that's what Houston's one's pretty good. Detroit Thompson is good. Houston Thompson hasn't shown as much, but that's a case study. Like they're literally the same dudes with the same. Yeah, I think it's all about the the, the fit there, especially because Houston's got a lot of with Fred, gr- with Van Fleet, with Green, with Brooks, with um, what's the what's the center? Oh, what's the center's name? Alperin. Alperin, yeah, Sanguin, yeah, Sanguine or Sanguine, ever, yeah. With it, there's a lot more mouths over there. Depending on yeah. where you're from, there's a lot more mouths over there when then you look at the twenty. Loss is in a row, Pistons. Yeah. So, I as mean, long as we never, as long as we don't lose to the Pistons this year, I, wait, think, I, think, we'll we, I think we have. No, no, no. no. They made a comeback. They made a comeback, but they lost that game. Yeah. No, no didn't we? Didn't we? Haven't we played them twice? We won. Don't we you won. do this, Nick. No, don't do this. No, I won't do it. I won't do it. Don't do this, Nick. We did Hold not on. lose to the Pistons. Wait, wait, wait. Let's see. I don't think. Have we lost to a really bad team this year? I don't think we have. Have we? 
Oh, yeah, that's right. Never mind. Um, yeah, that's... I was thinking Chicago. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah. We, we didn't lose to the business. You're right. Yeah. But I don't know, man. It's... I mean, even... I mean, look. Chicago is Chicago, but Chicago has talent. They just... Their culture yeah. sucks. Yeah. So um, it isn't I, the yeah. talent in Chicago. It's the culture. It has to Yeah, be. The, the two wor- worst teams we've lost to this year is Chicago and probably the Nets. So, I mean, we're not... We're doing and fine. the Nets and the exactly Nets that's why I went quotations team. there. Yeah, the Nets aren't a bad team either. Like besides Chicago, like I mean, everyone else is playoff or playing teams. I mean, our losses are Pacers, which they are they're balling right. out. Right. The Knicks, the Bucks, the Cel- the, not the, the Celtics, the Cavs, the Timberwolves, and that's it. That's the only team. And I was just about to say, either of those teams. I mean, let's just be frank. We could blow them out, a la the Cavs, which we did. Um, it just, you know. Yeah. So, overall, man, it's going to be fun watching this team continue to play. Let's just try to win these next few games so we could say on the next pod this team went undefeated since our last episode. And aside from that, man, to all the Miami sports fans, um, stay strong. Um, You know, we're going to make it through this together. Um, The Heat going to do their best to pull us through this right now. Um, And, yeah, make sure to check out Heat vs. The World. Um, on all platforms, shout outs to all y'all who tuned in. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Make sure to um, follow us on all platforms as well. And then also, also make sure to check out all of our shows, Heat vs. the World, Biscay Breakdown with K and Deem, along with our Dolphins show as well. We got so much heading y'all way. With that all being said, man, thank y'all for tuning in. Until next we time, hit my. Oh my gosh, man. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. All right, man. All right, man. It's, it's been a lot, man. With that all being said, y'all, thank y'all for tuning in to today's episode. And we'll tune in and we'll see y'all next time. <laughs> Take care. And we we gonna release those shackles. Release. <laughs> release my people I- from the curse. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World Podcast.